In keeping with our Lenten focus, we are here focusing on missions this weekend as a part of our serving side-by-side mission um, emphasis and kickoff to our year, we always bring in a missionary to speak. And so today we have Elizabeth who has flown in from Sierra Leone just to be with us here in Chapel Roswell. You may recognize Elizabeth because she's one of our own. She was confirmed here. She's grown up here. Um, and so you're here and you know Elizabeth. What's interesting though is that I've only gotten to know Elizabeth as a missionary. (laughs) And so to hear and meet her as a missionary, to hear her story, to learn about her education and her background and all that she's doing, it is a very clear call of God. And so it is a privilege to have Elizabeth with us, and it is a privilege for me to introduce you, Chapel Roswell, to Elizabeth, who's here to share her story. Thank you. Um, Good morning, everybody. I'm going to try to rotate so you guys don't just see my back. But like Marian said, my name is Elizabeth. Um, I have been a member at RUMC for a very long time, around 21 or so years, which is basically my whole life. Um, So I started here when I was very small, going over in the nursery, and then I went through, it's called Roswell Kids now, but at the time it was Kids Zone. Um, And then I was very involved over at the Dodd as well. Um, And so I've been here for a while. Um, I went to Georgia Tech, graduated with a degree in environmental engineering with a focus in water systems, and now I am living and working in Sierra Leone. Um, I'm really excited to be here today to share with you a little bit about what I do over there um, and how RUMC makes it possible. So if you have been following along um, as we have been doing our serving side by side, um, and this theme, our motto um, has been locally grown, globally connected. And so I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about what that really means means for me and for people in the church. So first, locally grown. It's a very nice tagline, but for me, it really is applicable and it means a lot. Um, And so what do we mean when we say locally grown? Um, For me, like I mentioned, I have been at RUMC for a very long time. I can identify my time here in kind of three phases. So I would say the first one is when people were just pouring into me. When I was in kid zone and I was younger, um, when I went to the Dodd as a sixth and seventh grader, which if you have kids at that age, you know they're very formative years. Um, And so I had a lot of people pouring into me and showing me that if I'm going to build my life on something, it should be Jesus, which is kind of a lot to process when you're that young, but I can definitely see how that has still impacted me today. Um, The next phase, I think, is when especially over in the Dodd, they really encourage you to make your faith your own um, and to really take a hold of it. Um, And so I was able to go when I was in high school on a mission trip to Kenya. Um, And for me, I think we have a picture of it, but um, for me, this was a time where everything became so much larger than just myself here in Roswell. When you're living here and you're in the States, it's really easy to, to just see this part of the world. But once you go over there and we got to serve at Divine Providence, you can see some of the faces of the people who have graduated from our Bible Institute there behind me. But everything becomes so much bigger. And you see that there are people who are really suffering, and their basic needs are not being met. And it puts your privilege into perspective, and it it makes you think bigger. And so when we went on that mission trip, our spearhead verse, I guess, that we focused on um, was Matthew 28 through 19, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. So we're going to read that together. Um, It's the Great Commission. 
And it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. And for me, I think that really stuck in my heart because um, when they talk about making disciples of all nations, they really do mean all nations. And a lot of times we like to shift that responsibility and say, oh, well, you know, I'll focus on my, I'll focus on my nation, because that's a nation. But there's a lot of other nations that really, really need Jesus. Um, and for me, this verse kind of stuck with me, um, and it, it impacted me later on, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the third phase that I think of my time here at RUMC was becoming a leader. Um, for me, when I was in high school, I was able to lead confirmation and help the sixth graders go through that process. But also, um, when I was a senior in high school, I started leading a D group, um, and we have a picture of them, and I led them for five years before I moved to Sierra Leone. They're now seniors, and they're still grown up and so old. It makes me so sad. There they are. That was at AYL a couple years ago. Um, but they're such an amazing group of ladies, and being able to lead them with my co-leaders just grew me a lot. So I've gone through like three very different phases here at RUMC, but they have really contributed to who I am as a young woman and who I am as a missionary. So flash forward a little bit, um, I went to college. Like I said, I graduated with a degree in environmental engineering. I always knew that science and math were my thing. I feel that God has gifted me with technological skills, and I wanted to utilize those to help people. And so engineering, it was like a no-brainer. I stick, stuck with the same major all through college, and I do love engineering, and it's awesome. But towards the end of college, I was kind of starting to have this crisis because, you know, the great commandment kept whispering in the back of my head, baptism, makes disciples of all nations, like spread the gospel. And I was really struggling to figure out how I can make my engineering career meet with God's call to create disciples. And for me, I had trouble reconciling them together. And as I was trying to figure out what to do, it was, it was like God knew that I was struggling with that because he did, right? He knows us and he knows what we're feeling. Um, and this opportunity fell into my lap at the perfect line time to go to Sierra Leone. So we had some recruiters come to campus and they basically were like, we're looking for somebody who um, is an engineer, mechanical, environmental, to come over and help us build capacity um, with our water systems that we're doing in Sierra Leone, and at the same time, plant churches and do missions work and share the name of Jesus over there. And um, it was like an amazing moment because I had been trying to figure out how to make those two fit together, and it was like God dropped the perfect opportunity in my lap at the right time. And it would be so easy to call that a coincidence, but a lot of times when we write things off as a coincidence, we're really just choosing to ignore how God is working in our, my li in our lives. And so I chose not to ignore it, and I was like, I'm going to move to Sierra Leone. And to be honest, it was a pretty easy decision because I had nothing stopping me, and I was really excited about it. I'd been to Kenya, so I felt that I, I knew what I was getting into. Um, and so I moved over there without having ever been there, and that was about 16 months ago. So I've been there for just a little over a year. Um, and so I want to share a little bit about what we do in Sierra Leone and about the global water crisis, if you don't know about it. So in terms of numbers, 2.1 billion people lack access to clean drinking water, and 32% of people do not have access to sanitation systems. And so this is really bad because it sounds like on the surface it's you know, they don't have access to clean water. But underneath that, that means that they constantly have dysentery, cholera, diarrhea. They can't go to school because they're sick. They're having to pay medical bills. They're having to fetch water. And this last statistic, 62% of the responsibility of fetching water falls on women in Africa. And if you are spending all of your time 
getting water for you and your family, then you don't have time for anything else. You don't have time to learn. You don't have time to go to school. You don't have time to make money. You have no way to build your capacity or improve as a person because all you're doing all day is trying to survive. And this causes a big cycle that people get stuck in where all they can do is just survive. And they don't have time to get out of the poverty gap, like loop that they're stuck in. And so in Sierra Leone, our goal is to get them out of that loop, to give them a place where they have clean water available to them all times, any day, that's clean and reliable. Um, and so the global water crisis, you've probably heard of it. Something you may not have heard of is the sustainability crisis, which is the one that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, $1.2 billion of water infrastructure are sitting unused and broken in Africa. So charities go over and they drill wells, they give people water and they pat themselves on the back, but then they leave. And what happens two years later when a bolt comes loose? It breaks, nobody knows how to fix it, and you've got a very expensive, expensive piece of infrastructure sitting there unused. The majority of wells that are drilled in Sierra Leone, in Sub-Saharan Africa, are broken within the first five years of them being put in place. And so it's very easy to come in and drill a well and leave, but if you're not maintaining it, then it's not gonna solve the problem. All of us here know that if we have something expensive and nice, it requires maintenance. Think about your house, think about your car, think about yourself. You have to put time into maintaining these things. And the issue with the global water charities is that they have chosen oftentimes to not do that with the infrastructure that they are putting in. And it leaves people in a more broken circumstance and situation than they were to begin with. And so what we are doing at Water For is we are trying to change the mindset of how we're going to go about solving the global water crisis by focusing on the individuals and the local people and the solutions that are available to them in their area. So charity is really only effective when it's used to empower local people with opportunities around them to solve the problem in a local way. The answer is not more wells, it's not more money, it's not cool fancy technology. All it is is investing in people in the long-term sustainability of not only the water infrastructure, but also their communities as a whole. And we believe that God works through the capacity, strength, and greatness of ordinary people to eradicate the global water crisis, ordinary people in their own communities. And this leaves behind lasting peace and reconciliation because people, they take ownership of what they're doing and they stored it really well. And it takes time to help them do that, but when they do, the result is beautiful. And it's something that I have been able to see in Sierra Leone as I've been working there. Because of God's love for us, we seek to imitate the way that Jesus empowered people in the Bible. If you read the gospel, there are a lot of stories where Jesus calls people. He tells them to stand up, to go and lead, to preach and share. And what we are striving to do in Sierra Leone is copy that model that Jesus did by helping people to do that with the water crisis in their own communities. Um, but all of that being said, what good is it if people have clean water, but they are still suffering in eternity. For us to go in and bring people water wells, which is very, very important, but leave their eternal souls still suffering and looking for Jesus, it's like putting a tiny little Band-Aid on a massive bullet hole, right? And so what we do while we drill these wells is we really strive to share with people the gospel as well. So a verse that we use in our business um, to kind of focus and set our goals is Isaiah 41, 17 which says, when the, poor are, are ne when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, 
I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. And what I love about this verse is that it says, when the poor and the needy seek water, which is what I get to see every single day. But in the verse, it doesn't say the answer is a well. It says the answer is what God provides for them and who he is as a generous creator and savior. Um, And so God's vision for the world really is shalom, which basically means universal flourishing. Um, And God uses the theological term, well, not God, but the Bible, I guess, Jesus, imagio Dei, which basically is how he references humans in the Bible, and that means, like, created in God's image. And so we believe, and I know that a lot of you believe, that all people have been created in God's image, and that he intended all, all people to flourish physically, spiritually, and socially. And so we see water as a catalyst to enabling communities to experience that flourishing and that abundance for generations. We see the physical water as an entry point into the community so that we can share with them the living water of Jesus as well. Especially in Sierra Leone, if you're not familiar with the history of the country, um, they really struggle um, because they had a 10-year-long civil war, and right after they got over it, they got hit with Ebola. But because of the civil war, there was a lot of um, tribal warfare. A lot of the villages are not friendly with each other. They're not friendly with outsiders. And if you're coming in and you're bringing like, you know, the word of Jesus to share with them, they don't want to hear it. It's 90% Muslim, very set in their ways, very traditional, and not really open. And so what we do is we drill the wells, and we bring people the hope and change of safe water, and that allows our businesses to speak into the holistic needs of the community at well, of which we believe Jesus is key. And so after we come in and we bring this well and we build relationships with people, we're able to slowly introduce them to the gospel as well. Um, and, and we have a, a team of church planners and a, a team of well drillers that work alongside each other to make this happen. Um, one way, one story that I thought was, it's very touching for me getting to think about it, and I'm going to share it with you all today, is that we were in um, this village that's up country, which basically means like in the bush of Sierra Leone. And I'm talking like dense African village driving through a very small dirt road, very bumpy. Your back really hurts once you get there. But like we're deep in the village, and it was called Maliki, and we were staying there um, doing well drilling for, for a week. And um, I was there because I was learning about our manual drilling tools and how we use them. Um, and so we have the team of well drillers, and then usually one or two people that are also doing church planting. So they're talking to the elders, they're talking to the chiefs, usually they show one or two outreach films, um, but most of the time to see the payoff from that, it takes a while because people take a while to warm up to new ideas. And so usually three or four weeks later, we'll get a report that maybe they've started a small gathering for a Bible study, or maybe they've had an official church gathering on a Sunday, perhaps somebody is stepping up and deciding to lead the church, but most of the time it's very slow, and that's okay. It just takes patience. But in this case, it wasn't. And it was beautiful to see because the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of that village in the one week that we were there. And usually when we're done drilling the wells, we have this big ceremony where we pump and the first water that comes out, we throw it and all the kids are like dancing and laughing and they're singing and they're celebrating. And it's such a beautiful celebration. And so we were getting ready to do that, and the village chief came to talk to us. And if you're the village chief, you, you don't just go talk to people. Like, the village chief, he, he's like, a, the, he's the head honcho, like, he sits back. And, and, and anyway, so we were terrified when he came to talk to us, because we were like, what have we done wrong? And how have we made this man mad? But the reason he came to talk to us is because he said that 
He'd, you know, conferred with the elders of the community, and they really believed that this well was a gift from God. And they wanted to pay homage to God and respect him by the first droplets from that well being used for a baptism, because they believed that if this water was coming out, it was given from Jesus, we should give it back to him by giving salvation and baptism to those that need it. And so there were three people that were in the village that had been talking to our church planners a lot. And so we rolled over a big drum because not a lot of water in Africa, which is why we're over there drilling wells. Um, And we pumped it and we filled it and we were able to baptize three people. I think we have a photo of it. Um, But it was just amazing to be there and to witness um, and to know that this is the kind of difference that that we're making. And not only this moment, but you just have to think like, I mean, this was within one week of being there. This says this was maybe five or six months ago. So what does it look like now? Like, what does that village look like now? And we go back and we continually, um, we do pump insurance on the wells. So we're back in the village every single month to check on the wells, but also see how the churches are growing so that we can see what our impact looking like, if it's working, if it's not, and how we can do that better. Um, So, I started by talking about, um, you know, what it meant to be locally grown, as I am from RUMC, but now I want to talk about what it looks like for our church to be globally connected. Um, The third verse that we're going to look at today is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20, so it's kind of a long one, but we'll read it together. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. Um, So I really like that verse. And I want to think about it for a second. If we're, if we're going to keep following along the body metaphor, let's think about our mouths and everything that they allow us to do. They allow you to breathe, right? You can breathe in oxygen, release CO2. All right. They allow you to eat very yummy food, which is personally my favorite um, skill that it has. They allow you to speak, right? To express how you're feeling, not only in your words, but also in your smile, in your frown. And it's, it's a very critical part of the body and of your expression, right? Now, I want us to think about the zygomatous major. So everyone think about your zygomatous major for a second. You're all probably thinking about nothing because you have no idea what that is. So the zygomatous major is the muscle that connects the side of your mouth to the top of your cheekbone. It is the only reason that your lips can move, that your jaw can open and close, and that your mouth can do any of the functions that we know it serves and is important, right? In the same way, with the body of Christ, there are some roles that are much more, you know, out front than others, like the mouth, for example, or like a pastor. But those roles could not function without the background characters. In your mouth, it's the zygotus maximus, hard to say. Um, But they're not any less important. Um, And so in the same way that the mouth cannot do its job without the help of this muscle, the missionaries of our church and of the world cannot do their jobs without the support of people like you all. 
and without the support of the church, without the existence of the church. Because the ripple effects that RUMC has globally are so clear. Think about divine providence, okay? It's a missionary, it's a school that, that trains pastors in Kenya so that they can um, go and plant their own churches, right? RUMC was like the rock, or we, we like threw the rock into the lake, right? When you throw a rock into the lake, you know, you see the ripple effect come from it. Sometimes we like to throw the rock, we see the first two ripples, and then we get distracted with life, and we turn, and we walk away, and we forget. But if you were to sit there and you're to watch what happens, the ripple goes all the way to the edge of the lake, and it keeps going all the way to the edge. And in the same way, that's what's happening with those communities in Kenya. That's what's happening with communities all around the world where we're supporting missionaries. With Haley, she talked this morning in the sanctuary working as a nurse. With Mary Stevens, she's working in Chile. There's a lot of people that are a part of our church that are making impacts globally, and the only reason they're able to do so is because of you all. Not just because of your giving, but because of how you poured into them as students. I can think of so many people at RUMC that have contributed to why I'm doing what I'm doing. My co-D group leaders, Leah and Stephanie, are a huge part of that. Um, and so there are so many ways that you impact and make those ripple, ripples possible. These pastors that have graduated from Kenya, they've gone to plant their own churches and raise their own disciples, and those disciples are raising disciples, and it's a never-ending cycle that happens because of what goes on at this church. And it's really big to think about, and sometimes it's like, mm, that's, a little, that's probably not true, but it is. And we need to trust that God is making those ripples happen. And the ripples that you have on people locally, too. If you think about the students that have friends, right, at school. So let's say that you're, you're volunteering at the Dodd, which I'm by, I volunteered there, so I loved it, right? If you're raising up stewards of the gospel, there are going to be stewards of the gospel in their high schools. And if you've ever been to high school, you know it's kind of a dark place, and some kids there need Jesus. And if we raise people in this church that can go to those places and be a light, then they're making a huge difference. They're making a difference in Roswell. They're making a difference in the state of Georgia. And we're making a difference globally as a church. All that being said, just because you're not like an important part of Christ's body does not mean that you are not critical to the work of God's kingdom. And I think that one thing that I've really learned while I've been in Sierra Leone is that, you know, as I had mentioned when I was first considering my career, I was having a hard time reconciling, do I want to do ministry? Do I want to do engineering? And I realized that ministry work should not be something that, that we compartmentalize as a thing that we do sometimes. It should be what encompasses our whole entire life. The Great Commission is something that you can do at your office. If you work as an engineer in Atlanta, you can use that as your mission field and share Jesus with people. That may be what it looks like for you. It may be that you're a mom and you have little kids and you are raising them up to be stewards of the gospel and to love their neighbor as Jesus calls them to. In my case, it may mean that I move clear across the globe to Sierra Leone. For each of us, the way that God calls us is different, but they're all just as valid and just as important to the work that God is doing in his kingdom. And I just want to encourage you all to really lean into where you feel that God is calling you because you know, in God's eyes, he doesn't see what we're doing. All he sees is us as beloved children that have accepted the sacrifice of his, of his son and the free grace that is given to us. And we're all the same because we're all fallen and we've all received grace. So he loves us all equally, but we all serve different purposes as the body of Christ. However, you know, the Bible talks a lot about how um, your inward heart will show outward fruits. So even though it looks different for everybody, um, we are called to serve sacrificially. We're called to do so obediently, and we need to do so in order that Christ's body may function as it is intended.
So I just really want to encourage you all that whether you are serving in Roswell, whether you're serving in South Africa, North Africa, Sierra Leone, Chile, it doesn't matter because people everywhere need Jesus. And if we bear up the cross and share it with those around us, then we are completing the great commission that we had talked about earlier. But just a few ways practically that we can step into this in the place that we're in at RUMC. The first one is to serve. Um, I was able to volunteer at RUMC um, at the being a D group leader, and I loved it. And the church has a lot of opportunities to volunteer, a lot of opportunities to work in Sunday school, to work in Roswell Kids, to work at the Dodd, to help with the mission stuff. And I just want to encourage you all to take those opportunities. It may seem like, yes, going every Sunday night and sacrificing every Sunday night is not always convenient. But if you are sharing Jesus with somebody, and then because of that, they are saved eternally, then I think it's pretty worth it. And so I would encourage you to just step out of your comfort zone, and even if something seems inconvenient, to really think about doing it, because if God is calling you, then there is a reason. There is somebody that needs to be impacted to create that global ripple effect that we're talking about. The second way that you can help is just by giving. Um, I could not do what I do without the support of the church and without the support of my family and my friends and businesses that donate to me and donate to Water Force so we're able to continue bringing clean water to people in Sierra Leone. So I would encourage you to just tithe and do so sacrificially and uncomfortably because that is how the Bible calls us to do it. Um, And then the last one, which I think is the most important is to pray. We know that prayer is effective. We know that it's impactful. We've seen it. We see it in the Bible. And so I would really encourage you to pray for people who are serving in this community. Pray for people who are serving in global communities. You're going to get like a card today and on the back of it has a list of all the different mission works that we support. And maybe every night for the next two weeks, go through and pray for every single one of those people. Pray for every single ministry because in every single one, they're having a huge impact. And your prayer can have an impact as well. And so I encourage you to just grab onto that responsibility. Grab onto the responsibility that God has given you of a sort of his, of his gospel. Um, support those that are taking big steps, like moving to Africa, but also support those that are taking little steps because every single one of us is at our own place in our walk with Christ. And as long as we are doing what he calls us to, then we're doing what's right. So I am going to go ahead and pray for us. If you would all like to bow your heads. Um, Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for an opportunity to be a part of a church that supports missions um, with so much enthusiasm and gusto, God. Um, I pray that despite sometimes the mission field seeming far away, Lord, that we will just remember that it is close, um, that you are working in it, and that You are making the impossible possible by sending members of our church, members of other churches all around the world to serve God. Um, I pray that you will just, wherever we are at the body of Christ, whether it be at the front or whether it be deep down where no one can see, Lord, that we will just trust that we are an important part of God's kingdom um, and that he will not forsake us. So, Lord, this morning, please hear our prayer. Papa God, we did not even. Es mit Gullus. Make we not take in emple. Mamlata, betatek taila. Make what's in your wants. Wasi, betatek taila. Bina diswoya. Feel arts idol summer. Like are you de bina even? Tidinial yom, deal aish mahtagin. Do ya give we what's in we de eat today? Wait, it's mahna, deans I didn't rahna. Pa, forgive me for what's in we don't do. Like are you de padding we? Wait, the chodna mishfila ikra, wait, the chodna middle item. 
Make we not left by his side when what's in Satan they try we. El mamlaka will sotan will eyes metatek. You know the world, you know the power. Te loati will abed amin. Today are the time. Amen.